Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for the program. And, uh, and I'm joined today by a good friend, Rob Evans, and we're going to talk about Scripture. And uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, uh, you can check us out at deepinscripture.com. Um, if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you at, at dis at chnetwork.org. Now, chnetwork.org is our website for the Coming Home Network International. So you can check us out there. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those other goofy things that are on the Internet. But uh, this series of programs on Deep in Scripture, I'm inviting my guests to talk about scriptures that were difficult before because of the tradition they came from. Or in the case today, my guest is pointing out the connection between some significant scriptures that he already he always knew these scriptures, of course. They're they're right in front of you. They're they're obvious scriptures, but the seeing of the deep significance of them was something that didn't appear to him until later. That's and, right. And uh, my guest is Rob Evans. First, Rob, welcome to Deep in Scripture. Thank you, Marcus. Good to see you. It is it's good to see you using this modern technology. Yeah. And for those of you that don't recognize the name Rob Evans, he. He has had a moniker for a long time as the Donut Man. And Rob, begin give a back, background there for our audience about your uh, the Donut Man yeah. background. Well, I'm one of those guys that holds a cardboard sign along the road, will work for food, <laughs> but I will right. work for a donut. Do you believe that? <laughs> uh, I tucked my kids in for years with Bible stories, and then I observed they liked my songs, and then I developed that. I started going to my office every night after I would tuck them in. I, I have six children, and all all within eight years, you know, so we were busy. Um, and uh, and you were in construction, I, was your I, main yeah, job. And I still am. Yeah, I, right. I never did quit my day job, because... When they heard me sing, they said, don't quit your day job. So uh, I've, I have actually recorded over 30 full-length products for Integrity Music and Gospel Light and various publishers. So uh, I have yeah. a website, DonutMan.com, so people can check it out. Uh, but the donut concept was a parable because I started with Christ's parables, and I needed one of my own to kind of make the correlation. So I wrote, life without Jesus is like a donut, because there's a hole in the middle of your heart. And then I put on a repairman's uniform, um, fun funky glasses and a hat. And at the end of all of my concerts and then videos, I would repair a donut by breaking one donut in pieces because they broke his hands, they broke his feet, they pierced his side. And then I became a donut repairman. So when I would sing a song based on Scripture, which would bring one to Christ, that's how we became a donut repairman, a large man in a yellow costume. <laughs> so that's my donut man background. But I was for years, as you were, a Protestant. Um, and I was featured on massive conventions. One of my most unforgettable and, and truly a great honor was doing the Billy Graham Crusade. States. Wow. We yeah. we did uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Portland for thousands of children, tens of thousands of children. And to repair that donut, we actually inflated a huge 
caterpillar uh, uh, inner tube from uh, one of those big construction vehicles. Hmm. And it was 10 feet in diameter. We sprayed it brown and sprinkled it with powdered sugar <laughs> and rolled it out in the middle of Three Rivers Stadium and uh, attempted to repair that donut in front of 35,000 children. So I share that, A, to bring a little color, of course, <laughs> but B, to let you know that my Protestantism had truly matured, and I prided myself in knowing Scripture. So to, to pursue your initial question, and that was maybe something we didn't see or something that then developed, I offer you, sir, this analogy. I was driving a pickup truck, and it was a little Toyota four-banger <laughs> with a rusty cab. Was it a truck? Yes. Could it carry stuff? Why, yes, it could. But then as a Catholic, I say, then God gives you an 18-wheeler, gives you a tandem axle, gives you a bigger truck to carry a scripture you'd all always seen, but now it's filled with meaning. I had a little truck with a little meaning, and so I use that as my analogy now as we approach Genesis 1, when God spoke. So our first mystery as Christians is transubstantiation, and everybody says, well, I'm a Protestant. I'm, I, I'm not into this transubstantiation stuff. You know, real meat, real drink. This is, this bread is Jesus Christ. This Wine is his blood. Well, folks, all Christians are transubstantialists because we believe that God changed his substance, transubstance, when he became flesh. But I'm getting ahead of myself on John 1. Genesis 1 says that God spoke. He created everything by his word. Well, before I would look at Christ on the cross and I would see my Redeemer and my Savior, is that valid? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Is that all? No. Is there more? Yes. Is your truck big enough? Well, maybe not. You need a bigger truck. <laughs> because Genesis 1 says God created everything when he spoke. And where does John 1 pick that up? The Word becomes flesh. The God that spoke became flesh. So I don't know if you've noticed this, Marcus. Have you ever been in a Catholic church? Why, yes, you have. A, a few times. A few times. L recently. Ever, not the yeah, first recently. 40 years of my life, but yeah. All right. So as Protestants, you and I stood under a cross that was empty. Why was it empty? Because Christ is risen, and you say he's risen indeed. That's what you said. He's risen indeed. Right. I'll give you one more chance. Christ is risen. Risen indeed. That's right. Okay. And he has risen indeed. But as Catholics, we get to look at an icon with a man hanging on it. It's really important to go into a Catholic church, fall on your knees, and look up at that icon of Christ hanging on a cross. Because your takeaway is Redeemer, yes. Savior, yes. But here's where Catholics have an 18-wheeler. And Creator. We hung... We nailed the Creator to the cross. The Word made flesh. Why is that so significant? Because the sacraments, which Protestants still protest, if I know Jesus Christ personally, why do I need the sacraments? 
Why are you making it so complicated, Mr. Catholic or Mrs. Catholic? Well, we're not. We're just simply doubling down on Genesis 1 and John 1. The Catholic Church has faithfully maintained through the sacraments that God became flesh. You know, I was thinking as you were comparing, as you're doing, comparing Genesis 1, God spoke, and in the utterance of the word, all of God's creation changed because everything out of nothing came this out of nothing came this creation so the absolute miracle of that which is completely beyond our ability to imagine in any way the much as we try we cannot is beyond our ability as human beings to understand all the questions the unanswered questions that are there i mean even mysteries mysteries and the other thing but i don't want you to stop Add the word mysteries and add yep. ex nihilo. Yes, out of nothing, ex nihilo, and the mystery of it. And uh, I mean, you think what's the first thing that God created would have been just the very concept of change in itself. Yes. Just the fact that something would move, you know, outside of himself. I mean, so that it's all beyond our ability. And then when you, right. when you move it, you said in John 1, so this very word uttered second person, the Trinity becomes a human being, again, beyond our ability, the mystery of that, beyond human ability to understand how the fullness of God, 100% God, could also be the fullness of man. Correct. Full humanity. So we, we say... Fully God, fully man. Beyond our ability to understand, but as Christians, we accept that. We accept that God created everything out of nothing, Genesis 1, and that God became man. We accept that, though we have no idea of understanding it. Right. And I do believe that Catholics do a better job than Protestants do reminding the constituency of these facts. And I'll remind you, uh, rhetorically speaking, of course, um, (laughs) let us be reminded that Jesus said, you don't understand what you can see, how do you expect to explain the things of heaven that you cannot see? And so we've got that new particle accelerator uh, in Switzerland, uh, the Hosen, the Boson, the Higgs Higgs Boson, as we peer with better and better microscopes into the heart of matter, and we use the Hubble telescope as we peer out into space, we have more questions, not more answers. We have more questions about the mystery of creation. And then here's where Catholics double down, that at the altar, in every Mass, every Mass, the priest lifts up the bread and says, this is God. This is the Creator. This is, this is Jesus Christ. Not symbolize, this is Jesus Christ, all of his virtue, all of the wisdom that created all of these things, seen and unseen, I hereby invite you to consume bodily. Wow. Fall on your face. Fall on your face. It's amazing. And then, just so we don't leave it out, and we can add this to the equation, Romans 1 Mm then goes on to say, and the character of God 
is revealed in the things he has made. Now, who said that? Moses said Genesis 1, God spoke. Who said John 1? John did. He's a witness. Now, we know that Romans 1 is from Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he's a brilliant commentarist. And he, he steps back and he says, and the character of God is revealed in the things he has made. The reason that's so profound is Jesus Christ, if I'm not mistaken, therefore created light. How did he create light? According to Genesis 1, he spoke. He said, let there be light, and it was. And there he is in John 1 saying, the word is made flesh, and his character is revealed. So if Jesus Christ made light, and then what did he do? He doubled down. He said, I am the light of the world. So does that mean, Marcus, that we can look at light, ponder the physical attributes of light, and correlate them to the character of God? Yes, we can. That's, are you ready? Hang on to your head because it's about to explode. I can see your brain is about to. Well, it's wonderful stuff, isn't it? It really is. And uh, I don't, again, I didn't see it before. I think as, as a pastor, I didn't see the connection with all these things, or I didn't appreciate it, let's put it that, or see the importance right. of putting these things together. Uh, the one thing that I was very blind to is that I, I, without any hesitancy as a pastor in my pulpit, encouraged my people to believe ex nihilo of, John, of Genesis 1, and yes. I, without any hesitation, expected and proclaimed and told my people and encouraged them to believe the incarnation of John 1. Mm-hmm. But when it came to the, the reality of John 6, I had, I had a problem with. But even Romans 1, I wasn't sure how to deal with creation itself and mm-hmm. and how to because there have been so many scientists atheists mother earthers all these people that were misusing the data of creation to think they were disproving the reality of god because of the mysteries there they would say yes. oh come on i mean look at what we see and uh, you're trying to tell me a god is behind this and they would say no it happened by accident given enough time any of these things could evolve uh, chemicals could come into DNA and form human beings, and and uh, I mean, mm-hmm. so there's they weren't seeing the mystery of it, and then later it was my own journey of recognizing some because of some things Saint Bonaventure says that encourages us to look very uh, unhesitantly in creation, to examine mm-hmm. creation deeply and reflect on the mysteries that are there in creation. And when you see deeply, you don't see a pantheistic God, but you see a loving creator God behind it who spoke and made it appear. Right. As in separated as I am from the houses I've built, I'm a builder. Right. Um, Can you see my character in what I've built? Yes. Am I a house? No. Hence, pantheism says that house is God. As Christians, we believe God built the house. Study the house, you'll know his character, but God is not the house. He made the house. It reminds me of the the, the TV shows of uh, now that we have builders and remodelers on, the, on yes. the network, and you'll watch them, and there's a couple of them I really enjoy to watch. My wife and I watch them a lot. And what's funny is week after week after week, you'll watch these people taking old houses and remodeling them for these new purchasers. 
And yeah. almost every time, what's kind of interesting, they're saying, oh, yeah, we want shiplap on the walls or we want wider space. We want to nail There's a character that the remodelers almost do every house they remodel. They have yes. a similar way they do it. They have their special likes because of their a techniques signature. and skills. Yeah, it's their signature, just what you're talking about. Yes, yes, indeed. The uh, And we see that in creation when we see God. Why is it that a squirrel has very similar characteristics to an ape or a human right. being? Well, it's the same creator. Right, but less we wax esoteric, as you and I both can. <laughs> Let, lest we go down the rabbit trail, there's a more urgent reason for us to discuss these things, Marcus, and it is as follows: that you and I have both have our we've both had our hearts broken by failure, by yeah. people who fail us. So therefore, Protestants who are listening, if you equate your needs being met, you know how many how often. Did you ever hear that as a pastor? I'm not having my needs met. Well, we've all said that. Everybody says, yep. am I having my needs met? Well, ultimately, somebody's going to let you down. Not if, but when. So if your Christian experience is at the in the hands of Christians, you're toast. It's not <laughs> if it fails. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not when it, it's, it's not if it fails. It's when the church failed. The church will let you down. And so Jesus Christ knew that going in. If you think that we have it tough, think about when the era, when Christianity was initially introduced and the pantheism that was rampant. Uh, think of the Roman culture that was equating the Caesar with God himself. The basis of the persecution of the church was because Christians would refuse to bow their knee and call Caesar God. And and so if you and I have it tough right now to maintain the faith, all the more 2,000 years ago, and then think of the diaspora when the initial Christians were scattered all over Greece, you know, and all over Egypt and all over the place. Um, they were scattered, and what was the authority? Well, A, what am I eating? So to this day, Marcus, when we receive the Eucharist, we should ask two questions. One, what am I eating? Two, who is handing this to me? Who is feeding me this stuff? And once again, the claims of Christ transcend the failures of this age. This age is going to let you down. Your church will let you down. Your family will let you down. What transcends it all? A, Genesis 1, John 1, Romans 1. The Creator came to earth. The Creator spoke these words. John 6, real meat, real drink. My body, my blood, my flesh, broken fruit. If you don't eat this, you have no life in you. And what was Paul's commentary? He then said, if you don't judge the body of Christ correctly, you'll get sick, you'll die. Your faith will fail you. So right now I'm going, you know that I'm reeling right now <laughs> with certain difficulties that are beyond my control yeah. in my family. Tragedies, real loss, death, illness, stuff beyond my control. And so 
so discouraging can it be that I've actually quit travel. I've not been able to work at times because of the needs of my family. So where can I go? Is there a strong tower? Is there a high mountain to which I can flee that will take me out of these raging seas that want to reclaim me and not just discourage my faith, but kill me, kill my faith? Where can I, where can I be rescued? And I, I come to Jesus Christ who physically comes to me in the Eucharist, real meat, real drink. I was, as you were saying that, Rob, I, I know struggles that are going on in my own family, and I know that. And this morning, I think I told you this before we started the program, I, just before we got together, I was rereading Philippians 4, verses 6, where it says, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the center of that, is Paul's call to turn it to God in prayer and supplication rather than getting overwhelmed by the anxiety. But even more so in the key of that is this idea to be thankful with thanksgiving. And so when I think about the idea of being thankful in the midst of Ah, all the stuff, we're drawn back to Genesis 1 and John 1 and Romans 1 and John 6 because we recognize that we can be thankful for everything we've received in our faith as a gift of this wonderful creator. That's right. And tell me, Marcus, I'm going to serve you up a hanging slider right over the plate. (laughs) Tell us, Marcus, what does Eucharisteo mean? Well, there you go. It means thanksgiving, of course. Exactly. Eucharist means come and give thanks. Let us give thanks with all the different verb tenses. If you study verb tenses, it means all of the above. And I will say that that section of Philippians calling us to give thanks, Eucharist, to Christ, and we base that on our understanding of God as a creator of everything. Uh, He is much more powerful than any problem we're facing. Yes. Uh, And that earlier in Philippians, that passage draws us back to this idea of having this mind among ourselves, which is ours in Christ Jesus, if I personify that verse, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. So there we have wow. the incarnation. You know, that's yes. the foundation upon which Paul could be thankful because yes. of his acceptance and his belief in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Right. Think of all the saints, and you probably know which one. I go, I can't remember his name, but one of the great saints or commentarists said, how can, oh, it might have even been Bishop Sheen. He said, how can God fill you if you're filled with yourself? <laughs> right? Yeah. So Jesus emptied himself so that he could be filled up with the joy set before him. Hebrews 11, despise the shame or is it Hebrews 7? I forget. Hebrews 7, Hebrews 11. Jesus Christ endured the cross, despised the shame, so he could be for the so he could embrace the joy set before him. And what is that joy? The joy is that you and I could enter into his worship of the Father. One other thing, we mustn't forget that what sets Catholicism apart from the Protestant experience is 
that we not only worship Jesus Christ, that's the Toyota pickup truck, okay? Of course we worship Jesus Christ, but here's the kicker. Here's what makes it Catholic. We also worship with Jesus Christ. That explains the Mass. So if there's any Protestant listening who says, oh, the Mass has too much rigmarole, it's too fancy-schmancy, it's got this and it's got that, and you kneel and you stand and you kneel and you stand and you read the Bible and then you have this prayer and that prayer. Why is it so complicated? Well, the Mass is choreographed by God, I believe, to meet us where we're at so we can worship with Jesus Christ where the Father is at. Jesus is sent to us by the Father so he can return with us in worshiping the Father with him. Hence, the joy set before him. Jesus Christ, just like you said, emptied himself so that he could be filled with us. We could, he would, here's another kicker. Have you been studying the difference between the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes? Well, you know, that they're in the, no. in the heart of the Beatitudes. Jesus says, it is written, you shall not murder. But I say, if you call your brother a fool, you've murdered him. And then he, he goes on and on about, you know, he raises the stakes. So if you thought you could clear the bar, I'm fresh from watching the Olympics. I don't know about you. But there in Rio, you see the high jumper trying to clear seven feet. And then Jesus comes along and he sets the bar at 17 feet. How am I supposed to clear the bar? And Jesus says, climb on my back. Here we go. So that's the also the beauty of the promise of Christ. You know, that there we are eating his body, drinking his blood, taking him up on the word that you couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. This is the schoolmaster which brings you to me. But now come the Beatitudes in Christ, or better yet, Christ in me. Well, the gonna, hope of glory. And I was going to add to that, because lest we forget, there's a third person of the Trinity, which we just haven't mentioned in our program, that, I mean, in our discussion right now, and that is, you know, going where the Father is at and with the Son, worshiping the Son and with the Son, we're empowered to do that. The grace that even opens our mind uh, yes. to the, the reality of everything we've been talking to is a gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers amazing. us in amaz and empowers us to be able to surrender ourselves to God, to be open to all he gives. Yes. And, you know, all of that is, as we've been talking about, is brought together in just those Genesis 1, John the yep. 1, Roman 1, uh, John 6, and we can throw the others to see the bigger picture. Yes. The bigger well, here's picture. one more step, one more step in our journey. You know the great amen, the prayer that precedes the great amen, through him, with him, in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. And then I would add, we sing the great amen. See, what's magnificent is there, you're almost three quarters of the way through the mass. That this point of the mass in the great amen, we're also acknowledging that that same Holy Spirit that you just mentioned is now miraculously, mysteriously, uniting us with the 24-7 of the heavenly Mass. 
This is where you get goosebumps. This is where you should really fall on your face because every Mass invokes the saints. So we start out every Mass scattered like sheep, called by the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, immediately into the penitential rite where we recognize we're entering the presence of a holy God, and we say we're sorry for our sin. And now the journey, we hear the word, we hear the prayer, and now we're almost to that point where we're receiving the bread with the great amen. And it's at this point that we acknowledge that same Holy Spirit is uniting us with everyone in the room and also with the saints in heaven. Yeah, baby. Awesome. Yeah, baby. And and I will say to understand that you need the grace. The gift yes. of the Spirit to appreciate that, and I and I do praise God that by His mercy, I praise God we, for it too. Had that hey, thing. I like being one with you. And You're that's my brother. The techn- and uh, I was going to say, the next time we have you in a program, you don't have to spend so much time to get your hair ready for the program. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I just showered, man. You were sitting there on the beach out there as the, all of I'm, us are watching the hurricanes going by you out there in New Jersey, and. I am windblown. Yeah, I was walking on uh, thirty mile per hour winds today, mm. and and seeing the power of the of the waves and the wind. Yeah, if people want to connect with what you're doing, Rob, where would they go on the internet? Uh, Donut Man, D O N U T M A N dot com. If they want to email me, I'm Rob at donutman.com. and I I do get them and I do respond. Rob, thanks so much for taking the time today. Marcus, I love you. It's great to be with you. Always, always, always. Same here, same here. The only thing bad about our friendship is we're too far apart. Yeah, let me pray briefly. Lord, I pray for the seed that was sown in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Encourage those who heard our words today. And I pray it would bear much fruit to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks Thanks, all of you for joining us on Deep in Scripture again. If you go to deepinscripture.com, you can find out more about this program as well as all the other programs. And God bless you. We look forward to being with you again next week. Thank you.